how, how would it be if I told you that things are all right with us? Would that be okay? There it is. How would it be if I told you that uh, since the last time I saw y'all, I've taken the hardest beating of my life? How would that be? Huh? That would be honest, wouldn't it? Is that all right if I'm honest? Is it okay? The reason I'm going to be honest with you is because the success rate at what I'm doing and what you're doing is very low anymore. Very low. But with Jesus, we can succeed. With Jesus, we can complete what He's called us to do. We can. Have y'all ever read in y'all's Bible where it says it? says right in my Bible that daily I have to take up my cross and follow Jesus. What I was living on last week won't get me by today. I have to live on today's energy from the Holy Ghost today. Y'all ever realize that? You ever realize you need to be filled continually with the Holy Ghost? Realizing this? That's God in it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want to talk about a subject that I am not a master of. I'm just learning. If you'd be honest with me, you'd say the same thing. Let's talk about walking with Jesus and being a true ambassador of His. You know, the mission field where I work, I work in several places in, the, in this globe, and I want y'all to know I have been invited to some places you've never heard about. I've been invited to preach a, a great 30-year anniversary conference in New Zealand. I've been invited to two different conferences in Australia. I've been invited to a conference in Pakistan. And I've been invited to explore Lower Mongolia and Upper Tibet. So I'm going to all of those places. It's going to be God, you hear me? We're going to go there and we're going to shout and jump for Jesus. We're going to excite people about God that's not dead. He's alive. And I am an ambassador of His. And I preach the gospel because I have to. Because I've been called to. Because I've been led to. Because I've been anointed to. Because... He's my friend. See, an ambassador is a diplomat, which I'm not. I'm a redneck from North Louisiana. I I don't apologize for that either. I do not apologize for who I am and where I come from. I never do apologize to the devil about it either while we're stomping the life out of him and let the life of God go. But he don't look for that little redneck boy. He sees the Holy Ghost now. Now he sees the armor of God. Now he sees a man filled with the presence of Jesus. Now, even though I am personally, my mannerisms, my way of talking, I, lots of people get mad at me because of the way my hair is, the way I dress and all that sort of stuff. But I, I haven't been called to please you. I've been called to please Jesus. And if he says I'm a diplomat, so be it. Yahoo! 
You know, last time I got up here, I felt this. I feel the anointing again. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad the anointing's in y'all's church. I, I am, because because if it wasn't here, it'd come. Because when I come, it comes with me too. See. Yes, Jesus. Woo! Come on. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm not just any old diplomat. Neither are you. You people that are here from foreign countries that serve like I do in other places, I'm the extreme you always hear about. But I'm still a diplomat just like you. And the Webster's Dictionary says that I'm not only a diplomat, but I, I am of the highest rank appointed by a king or a president. I can live with that. The strike. <laughs> yeah! I come to shout. What you come to do? <laughs> yeah. The Strong's concordance says says that I have to because I'm appointed and I'm a diplomat. And that I am a, uh, an ambassador for the Lord Jesus. That, that translates over to be that I am actually his total representative. That's what it says. So I went up there and studied all that up and looked at it and looked at it in some more books and decided that this guy told the truth. Especially with me. I'm a diplomat. Mr. Tack. Mr. Tactful. That's right. You know how I know that? I made a phone call this morning to Mexico. Very serious problem in our work. I was talking to the men about it. Got through working on our problem. Brother Hogan, you've got to know this. God's decided to do something in our work. Please tell me, since I am his friend and a diplomat and I am his ambassador, and even though I'm not there, I'm part of that thing. You know what God had the nerve to do with me not there? Can you believe, Brother Rick? I wasn't there, but God did it anyway. A little baby died. Laying dead. The people of the village. I'm not going to tell you the name of the village because it's a... Where I live now, there's a war. And uh, you just got to take my word for it. 
And there was this baby's dead. So the, the, the non-believers of the area gathered together to come get the Christians. They're not, they're not mourning the death of this baby. They're not interested in the grieving parent. They're wanting to prove that this gospel is nothing but a killer. See there, your baby died. Where was your God now? So they gather around all the Christians, and you got a dead baby there. They go and get the pastor and the elders. They bring them out. It's just happened just now. Three days at the most. I'm so thankful there's a God. I'm so thankful that when you're an ambassador, you're His diplomat. That even though there's times we do have to give our life for the gospel, God protects us. God shields us. They can't have us. All these demons were around these Christians. The mama and the daddy of the baby are Christians. They're new Christians. And their baby's laying there. They don't, they're perplexed. They don't know what to do. But thank God that a diplomat went to them and told them, God's with us. You can trust Him. And I'm not just any diplomat. I'm the highest ranking diplomat. Yes, sir. I'm not God. Neither are you, thank Him. But I have the right in my human existence to act in His place. Because He gave it to me at Calvary. And God backed it when he led him out to grave through resurrection power. Then he gave it to me. And this baby's laying there and these people are mad and they're cursing God. They're cursing the, the gospel. They're cursing the Christians, everybody, us, everybody. But the Christians are not listening to the vile cursings of the demons. They're praying for this baby. And the Holy Ghost had the nerve to roll in there and say, Excuse me, my diplomats called me. And restore life to that baby. And it got up. Come on, Jesus. Yeah, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. I'm an ambassador. There are very many ambassadors in this building. Uh, I'm just one of many. But I want to report to you that where I live and work, the dead are raised. I want to report to you they are still the cholera is healed. Tuberculosis flees at the ambassador of the Almighty God. And you have the right. The hecklers and the cursors came in and began to get born again when they saw the dead raised. Yes, that's good. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. One of the problems I've noted in my American home churches, there's no terror of the Lord in our churches. 
We fear men, we fear bosses, we fear executives, we fear presidents, we fear law enforcement, we fear gangs, we fear violence, we fear drugs and sex. Where's the fear of the Lord? An ambassador has to at all times remember who placed him in his high office. Jesus. In our lowest estate, he found us and brought us to his side and exalted us in due season. He allows us every day to remember the cross and take it up and go with him. What a privilege. We're honored to be ambassadors, to remember Jesus. The man that knows the terror of God Almighty, the man, will, the man that knows that w would persuade men to come to Jesus. But we're manifesting to God, and I trust also you're manifesting, we're manifested in your consciences. Uh, but we recommend not ourselves to you again, but give occasion to the glory on, on behalf that we may have somewhat to answer them. Now, they, I don't know if y'all have never noticed this, but like Pastor was saying earlier, if there are gauges we put on people and we automatically assess them and when we see them. How they're dressed, the kind of jewelry they're wearing, the type of shoes, the type of suits. And we will give the person the due respect according to how he looks on the outside. We don't look inside. But Almighty God is inside looking. He's not interested in how you look outside when it's a spiritual matter. It says right in my Bible. Answer them which glory in appearance and not in the heart. You know, in verse 13, it applies to me. Whether we be beside ourselves, because lots of people really think I'm crazy. I am. I've had the great opportunity to stay where I've been working with my Indians, and I'm still there, and I love them. All these, these other opportunities are, 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 are growing in, in, in number and great. Uh, conferences and such is happening. The greatest thing I do is go to where the gospel has never been preached. Get out of my four-wheel drive. It's wonderful. Put on my little day pack and my hiking boots and my little t-shirt and start hiking over a mountain where there's never been an American, there's never been another ambassador for Jesus, and go into a village and look them right in the face, eyeball to eyeball, and tell them, Jesus is King and Lord of this village. That's the greatest thing I have the privilege to do. It's an honor. And I'm called crazy because I like it. Well, right here it says, whether I'm beside ourselves or not, it ain't none of your business. But out. It's, it's to God. It's not to you anyway. <laughs> it's for Jesus. It's a great honor for me to go in there and lay it all down. And what I'm fixing to tell you is going to bless you, but it's going to sober you up a little, I hope. Because I've had the, one of the most sobering events in my life whenever my family became under siege. I've, I never had the thought in my mind that, uh, that I would ever get to the point in ministry, because I've been in ministry ever since I was, my, daddy, uh, he, my daddy was a pastor all my life. I've known nothing else. But I never got to where I thought, I never thought I'd ever want to quit. I never did. I like what I'm doing. I'm excited about what I'm doing. 
And I tell you the truth, I didn't think the demons had the right to mess with me. Not in a prideful way, but my confidence in God was so great, y'all. I thought it was possible to overcome any obstacle regardless of its name. But I met up with a few demon spirits and obstacles, and I call them opportunities for faith. I met up with a few of those out there that were bigger than me. They were bigger than Goliath. They were big as mountains. And they started rolling over the top of me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was telling the pastors here just right, right before service, the great honor that I have standing here tonight in front of you, it's attributed to one thing. It's not my ability or my stamina. I have a lot of that. That's not what it is. It's not the great pastors and the great churches and the, the great meetings that I've been in. It's not that. It's not the dead raising and the blinded eyes and the lame walking. It's the mercy of God. It's the grace of the living Jesus that I have the honor to stand here tonight and look you as honestly in the face and say, we can win. Regardless of what's thrown at us, we're not going to just survive. We succeed in Jesus. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. That, now, now look at this verse. This is an amazing, to me this is an amazing verse to me. It says that if he died for all, that they which live, are you ready for this? Most of us aren't. They which live should not henceforth live to themselves, but to him which died for them, but he rose again. A couple of years ago, my little boy Luis died. Four hours and some minutes of praying, Jesus brought him back from the dead. Right after that, I contacted the cholera. I almost died. God healed me. Right after that, I had several of the main men in my, our ministry that I love dearly to this day. They rose up, called me a demon, and left us. Don't feel too good. Not long after that, I contacted another disease called advanced amoebas. Went through 15 months of dying slowly. Jesus healed me. Not long after that, I had the opportunity to take the number one man in our ministry. I had to confront him because he was accused of adultery and embezzlement. It was true. Oh, shuck it. That's terrible. If you're listening to what I'm telling you, this stuff happened in a sequence and a pattern just right in a row. Everything happened within a few months of each other. And if, it doesn't matter how great you are, how much stamina you have, or how mentally prepared you are. These things walk up and down your back and they take away everything that means anything to you. And then, in January the 14th of 1993, my wife was working on our stove. You missionaries understand that. 
And the thing blew up on her and burned her from her waist up. I didn't like that. It was starting to cost me too much. Do you hear me? People I love are getting killed. People, these diseases, they've never walked up and down my house. They never knew my hallways before. People were beginning to look at me in ministry and say, you must be in sin. I wasn't. I was in need of a brother to, to come and look at me and say, I love you. I'm going to back you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to hold your arms up. I'm going to pray for you. This is a test of the devil. You will make it. I didn't get that at first. I suggest that we begin to act like Christians. I'm going to say this. I know exactly what I'm saying when I say this, church. You are not judge, nor jury, nor are you executioner. You're an ambassador. You're a diplomat called to represent Jesus. You're a servant of all men. You're not their judge. I happen to have read in my Bible that it says there's one judge and his name is God Almighty. Let's act like Christians, church. Let's don't look at our brother over here that's in, going through trials and tribulations and all of a sudden we judge him. Then we're the jury that don't let him off and then we're the guy under the hood that cuts his head off. That's a demon. That hurts way in here. Be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say? We went through ten days of miserable days with my, my wife. She was burnt so severely. I just can't begin to tell you how bad it was. I was her doctor and so was Jesus. The eleventh morning... This is wonderful. We got up the pain, the severity of the situation. It's still there. You see how much weight I've lost through prayer and fasting over the last few months? I decided to quit eating until this was over. I will subject myself to the Holy Ghost. I won't give in, Pastor. I will fight. Kill me. But you ain't beating me. I win in death. It's the greatest victory of all, isn't it? Is that what we preach? But can you live it? I can. And I'm not telling you that in pride. I'm telling you that because I've done it. There's a difference. <laughs> the 11th morning, I get up and I go and prepare my wife some orange juice and a few different things because I was mama, I was daddy, I was ministry president, I was all of the things, I was everything she was plus what I was and it was rough on you, you know. And I go back in there and I hear she's excited and I walk in there and all of the scabs on her face, her hair was burned off. 
And all those scabs on her face and all those scabs on her arms fell off. And she was healed. Come on! Holy Ghost! And even though... Now listen. We have... I'm, I'm talking to you of a personal testimony of my family here that is tremendous witness of the power of God. But... It's also devastating mentally and emotionally to a guy like me. I'm, a, I'm victory. You're looking at it. I win. But I'm not used to my family getting devastated in the process. You hearing me? Just thought we'd be honest here. I'm an ambassador, diplomat of the highest rank. I act in the place of God when I talk. I'm not God. I act for him. I was so excited about the victory of my wife getting healed. I thought, surely, surely, my wife is my greatest possession outside of Jesus. Surely, this is it. Three days it was. My little daughter, Joy, comes up with a sore throat. Twelve days later after scarlet fever. Blasted my little daughter. She lost her hair. She lost all the skin off her body. But the twelfth morning, <laughs> she walks in, looks at me, Daddy, I'm healed. But these are months that we're going through. This is not just a small episode. The devil, because of what God is going to use myself and my family and our ministry to do in this harvest that he's fixing to bring into the world. He's got to stop me. Do you see? Do you understand? It's a fight. It's a battle. But I've got to yield myself totally to Jesus in trust. I do. The price I'm paying is tremendous here. Emotionally, physically, I'm draining down. Mentally, I'm losing. Look at verse 20. What does y'all's Bible say? Does it say something similar to mine? Does it say, now then... You know, it said that when my wife was burned, when the guy was in adultery and the embezzlement, when I had the cholera, when I had the advanced amoebas, when my boy had died, when, uh, when, when my, wife, uh, my little daughter had the scarlet fever. You know, I thought, surely, God, this has gone on for months. Surely that's over. Not so. Two days later, my little boy, Luis, the one that died, God raised him from the dead. Two days. <clears throat> he walks into my office. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I've been up well before daylight. The sun don't catch me sleeping. The the sun, when it rises in the morning, it catches me shouting. Uh, I'm not being slothful. I'm not being a sluggard. I'm doing right. My little boy walks in. He says, Daddy, my, my throat's hurting me really bad, Daddy. I grab him up. I'm praying, Jesus, please, let it pass in God. Don't <laughs> No, God, let's look. Look, God, let's don't go through this. 
This guy, he's a little guy. I got him out of Guatemala, God, out of the garbage dump. Do you understand that? God, you, God, you delivered him into my hands. I rebuke this scarlet fever devil. I rebuke it, God. He, he's done nothing wrong, God. I'm the one that's trespassing. The demons want me, God, but don't take him. Don't, God, in Jesus' name. This is my conversation with God. No response. And uh, 12, no, 10 days go by. The little boys, what do you call these things here? Huh? No, it's some other things. Glands. I guess the tonsils are a gland too, right? I don't know, man. But it's a gland. His little glands full up, bigger than his head. He almost died. But the tenth morning, he walks in there, catches me again, worshiping Jesus. He said, Papa, Jesus healed me. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Surely the war is over by now. No, it's not. It says right here in this, this is Amplified book, it says, or Bible, it says, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're at Christ's ambassadors. L listen to how serious this puts this. God making His appeal, as it were, through us. God, the Creator, the man. He's appealing to the world through me. Through you. It says right here, it says, uh, uh, this, this really gets me going. This gets me cooking here. We, that's you and I, as Christ's personal representatives. Isn't that something? Two days go by after little Luis got nailed and then he got healed and all that. My daughter Crystal walks in. My beautiful little 16-year-old. On February the 23rd, we had a... I took a day and stayed home. It was her 16th birthday and so such a special time for her. And I sat down to her birthday supper and she looked at me sitting right here beside me. So beautiful. And she says, Daddy, y'all need to pray for me because my throat's hurting. I said, No. No, that's not, no. I stood up. I said, I ain't having this. We're not having this. But you see, there's certain things that you, it doesn't matter what you want. It matters what God wants. There's a will for your life, if you can submit to it and find it, the sovereign will, the sovereign hand of God has more power than anything you've ever experienced in your life. I'm an ambassador to God. As an ambassador, there are some certain things I have to do. I have to submit. I have to realize that the rank belongs to God. My way, my will is immaterial. Where I'm working, I have to submit to Jesus, and that's all. And Jesus had me here, and every one of my 
family members that were living in my home at the time last year, every one of us experienced a severe sickness. My daughter went, by the, by morning, my daughter was down and could not get out of the bed. She spent 21 days flopping around in that bed with me carrying her everywhere she went. I'm staying up at night all night long praying for her, asking God for mercy for her life and thanking Him for the results. And then I watch her go down further. 35 pounds she lost. Turned gray as this suit, almost. She just, she left us a few times. But on day 21, my wife comes in there to me. I was out working on my four-wheel drive outside. She comes out there, David, I want to take Crystal up to the clinic and get her some antibiotic shots. We need to give her a jolt. Her system is really gone. She's, David, she's really sick. And we fasted and prayed here for 21 days, and I want to take her to get her a shot. My first reaction was, oh, no, Miss Hogan's lost her faith. But I will not get at odds in a battle that serious. Y'all listen to me. It's important that you're in one accord with your wife and your family. It's important that you're in one accord with God at the same time. You hear me? And in situations like this is where it gets a little bit technical. I said, okay, I loaded her up. We carried her up there to the, or Miss Hogan carried her up to I, I had no idea what, the, I didn't know the phone was fixing to ring. I didn't know that my landlord, who was a, a, a gynecologist, I didn't know he was going to tell me your daughter's not going to make it through the night. I didn't know all that was going to happen. I jump in my truck, run up there. He tells me, she's got septic shock, David. I didn't know what that was. And he went and got a, his manual. It was in English, and I read it. They're, they're, the, the, my daughter's going to die. Yeah, it's over. So we started into another battle now because they wanted to operate immediately. And they were going to do an operation in there to look and see which one of her organs was filled with disease so they could take it out and put another one in to stay this septic shock. My daughter's never been in the hospital since she's been born. God's always been enough. Her daddy's faith has always seen her through. <laughs> and now it wasn't good enough anymore. You ought to wake up to that for breakfast one day. You ought to wake up to a daughter that you love and she's laying on that table and you have fasted and prayed till you're about to faint. And you have sought the Lord diligently for mercy. And you didn't see any. All you saw was defeat all around you. <laughs> you should have your daughter look at you and tell you, Daddy, don't worry about it. I'll be with Jesus. I'm a good daddy. That's not what I want to hear. I have a different idea of her life than that. Well, it was rough. There is where I crashed and burned emotionally. I just did, I just died right there emotionally. But there's some there's a little verse in I think it's uh, let, let me look over here y'all let's look at this a minute I think it's Second Thessalonians. Y'all look over there is this boring? I don't want it to be boring I want you to be blessed. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty three it says the very God of peace 
sanctify you. How does y'all's Bible say? Holy. It says that uh, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Even though I crashed and burned emotionally and physically I was fatiguing down to where I couldn't motivate anymore, spiritually I'm still strong. I'm not all weak spiritually. I've never prayed and fasted so much in my whole life. I've never felt the presence of God more ever. But why won't my daughter get healed? I'm sure you could have went through this and done a better job, you know. Probably so. But there's another little verse following that 23rd verse. Faithful is God. They wrote me up a emergency uh, operation order. I carried her to a city where they had great big hospitals up in Tampico, uh, Mexico. Went to a really nice private hospital. Got in there. Doctor comes in. He said, there's no hope for her. He said, I understand that you love Jesus. I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you better pray some more. There's nothing we can do for her. They hooked her up in intensive care on all these machines and all this network of things and hoses and wires and she was scared, and we were scared, and we were nervous, and we'd never been in this predicament before. And Days on days went by. She, Her lungs were both filled. There was one-third of one lung left. They punctured the lung, trying to let off fluid off the lung, and nothing came out. Come to find out, her lungs were filled up with jailed blood. Come to find out her lower cavity was receiving blood. They couldn't find out where it was coming from. It was filling up with blood. Her liver was twice its size. Her brain was swelling. Her uh, heart was erratic. Everything about her was wrong. And then, then, then something happened. Something happened. Go with me somewhere, please. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. I want to read something with you. To me, this is tremendous. I don't know how you're receiving this, but to me, this is tremendous. Endurance in the Holy Ghost is what's going to get you by now in 1994. Nothing else will. I'm telling you, 1970 philosophy don't work anymore. 1980, it don't happen no more. It takes Holy Ghost persistence, understanding that God's called you, God sent you, He cares for you, you are His ambassador, and He will see you through regardless of problems. A little talking here about material things. God's trying to get us to look at seeking after the kingdom. It's, here in verse 32, it says, of Matthew chapter 6, it says, uh, After these things, the, the Gentiles go after him. But your heavenly Father knows you have need of all things. So much here that could be preached about and talked about when I was going through this dilemma, because I really did, I crashed and burned. I, I had never, ever... I've got a strong will. I've got a super strong mind. And I just don't crack under pressure. I broke, fell, 
I was destroyed. <laughs> Completely. Being honest with you. I was gone. Never been out there before. It's quite a trip out there. I don't like it out there. But I met somebody out there. <laughs> I met Jesus. <laughs> he was out there with me, Brother Mike. He was. I'd have never believed it. <laughs> but he was with me out there. <laughs> he was there. I wasn't in all of my pieces, but I met Jesus and he was. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Woo! You missionaries understand, don't you? A lot of you people that aren't missionaries understand, because times are rough right now for the Christian. Everything's coming against us, but it's prophesied. It's supposed to. We've got to rejoice. We've got to find Jesus in the storm. We've got to go lay down by Him on that pillow and get some rest. Verse 33 says, Seek first, and I did, and I will, and I still am, and I'm going to, and forevermore in Jesus' name. Seek first the kingdom of Almighty God and His righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. I didn't want money. I didn't think. I didn't, you know, have you ever, look, I'm a pretty simple fella. Really. Really. My daughter's in my arms almost dead. I never even thought about how I'm going to pay for this. I didn't care. Had you asked me, I would have laughed at you and walked right by you. That's absolutely immaterial. Even though it matters, it doesn't matter. I had no idea what doctors charge for that stuff that they was doing to my daughter. Especially since they brought in nine specialists from all over Mexico. All them airplane tickets and all that stuff. I didn't know who paid for them. I didn't care. Get them over here. Hey. Sheesh. It wasn't that I was not a good steward. I'm a good ambassador. It was that I had a need. And I had already crashed and burned emotionally. And now physically I had run out. The only thing I had left was the kingdom of God. It, it was still intact. It was still functioning. I was in much array. I was in disorder. I, I wasn't normal anymore. I, and, and see, to me, to, to y'all, I'm, I'm never normal. But to God... I'm always normal. And, and I run into the Holy Ghost out there. And I hung on to Him. And I said to myself, He won't let me down. He, he never has. Why is He going to start now? <laughs> he, he won't let me down. One of my greatest possessions I've lost. <laughs> Jesus will never let me down. He won't do it. He will not do it. And uh, 
Y'all know that Friday comes every week? Is that a surprise to anybody? Y'all want to go somewhere else? Me, I do. Let's go to Mark. These are very common scriptures I'm talking about. But they have a dr- tremendous impact on me, and I know they are on you. <laughs> We've got to let Jesus have us. I've been broken. I've been completely broken. But out there in all that brokenness, and, and Friday came. 10.30, it's time to go in and see my baby. They're through fooling with her now. Physically, I'm walking like this because I've been up for days. I don't know how many days. It's been months that I have slept, hadn't slept. Haven't eaten right. Haven't, I haven't eaten, eaten in days. Don't want to eat. I just want Jesus. I've got to have the touch of Jesus. If I don't, I lose it all. I can't give up. I lose it emotionally. That's okay. I lose it physically. That's still okay. I can't lose spiritually. I've got to hold on to Jesus. So I walked in there. I, literally, I apologize to you that I'm a human, okay? But I walked in there and I was putting that stupid white thing on there make you put on. I don't like that thing. And I'm tangled up with it and all. And, I, and I'm kind of complaining about it. Which I'm not a complainer. Everything's usually all right with me whenever times are rough. But, but this time was different. I was to be annihilated at all costs. The demon hordes came. And the idea was to kill him no matter what. Because see, they've got to. See, people want to break your spirit. They don't like you being filled with joy in the Holy Ghost, you see. So they come after you. The demon spirits hate you. So they come after you to break you. And they begin to break me down piece by piece. And they, they, they did. They broke me. But when I realized the brokenness and I looked for help, he was there. Jesus was there. You get it? <laughs> and I finally got that thing on my arm, one arm, and I looked over at Chris and I was smiling because I was having trouble with this thing. And I looked at her over there in that bed and went, I've never experienced this before. I did experience it that day. I've seen thousands of miracles. And by the way, I had two dead raisins during this time that Crystal was uh, sick. I went to the village, lay hands on... It was two toddlers that were dead with the cholera. Laid hands on them, and God raised them both from the dead, all right, at different times. During this fight with the crystal, we were having a crystal, I, I would leave service and not allow anybody even touch my hand. I'd drive home, get out, run in there, and jump on top of crystal in the name of Jesus to watch her go down further. That's not very nice. It's hard to explain that to yourself. And, but I was there that morning, Friday at 10.30, Shatalalaba. I was there, I got to see it. I saw it, I saw it. And I looked over at her, and the moment our two eyes met, 
soup. I saw something that I've never been privileged or honored to see but that one time. I saw healing go in my daughter. And she was healed. Hallelujah. Two loose ends I got to deal with before I go on with, and read this, and we're probably going to start getting closing her down and such as that. Two loose ends. One is this. The finances. That's a loose end. And the doctors. That's another loose end. The day we went back to that doctor, because they, they were observing her because they had never seen that disease before. Because the one little detail I didn't tell y'all, it changed names 11 times during this process. Started out being septic shock, went to tuberculosis, went to leukemia, went to bone cancer, brain cancer, went to all of her parts of her body, lupus, Lyme disease. And the reason I tell you I was seeking first the kingdom of God because every time that great man, that doctor, I love him, he became a good friend of our, our family. He came out and he would look me right in the face and he would tell me honestly, David, we think we've got it isolated to leukemia. And I'd look at him with much, I'd tell him, con todo respeto, doctor mío, ese no va a suceder. Ella sí va a levantar sana en el santo nombre de Jesucristo. Well, see, some people in here understand Spanish, don't they? I'd tell him, doc, with all respect to you, It's going to come back negative in the name of Jesus. Eleven times he came and told me, and eleven times it was negative. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus did it. It don't matter what its name is. It matters who Jesus is. Jesus. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Thank Him. <laughs> Jesus. Because that doctor looked at us. It was the last day. I'm not going to see him anymore uh, 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 for, for professional reasons. Uh, he looked at us. He said, Crystal, I have to tell you something. I want you, I'm going, your daddy's been honest with us all the way. I'm going to be honest with you. We had nothing to do with your healing. We still don't know what tried to kill you. And he pointed over there to me and I'm sitting there smiling. He said, your daddy's faith in the Lord Jesus is what healed you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's great, isn't it? 
I hadn't even thought about finances till this phone rang and a businessman up here from the United States calls me. He said to me, he's a, he's a personal friend of my family also in ministry. He says, Brother Hogan, he said, how much is all this going to cost? I went, um, I have no idea. I hadn't even thought about that. I've been busy praying in tongues for the last 31 days. <laughs> I hadn't thought about finances. Uh, I hadn't thought about eating or anything else. Sleeping is just praying in tongues. And uh, he said, I suggest you, uh, you know, I'm a businessman. I think about these things, Brother Hogan. I, I'm glad you, he said, go to the administration. I'm sure there's a door marked administration, Brother Hogan. Go there and ask those folks what's going on. So I did. I went there and I found out I was amazed. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing thing sometimes. And he called me back the next day and he said to me, he said, uh, don't tell me how much, he said, because God already did. God's got his nerve, hasn't he? <laughs> Just take care of you and run your life for you. Like he knows what he wants to do with his ambassador. Like he, you know, he likes taking care of his diplomats. He's something else. God's something else. He's, uh... He's amazing. <laughs> he said, my wife was riding home in, in one car and I was riding in, a, in, a, in my truck and I was coming home and God spoke to us in different parts of the city the same amount of money, so I'm sending the check right now. So, there was a church up here that heard about my daughter being sick. She sent me $2,000 cash. So I went and got all the bills and all the everything that was accompanying all this sickness and hospitalization, hospital problems and all this stuff. Turned out that the money he sent me in $100 bills and the money that church sent me was the exact amount to the penny of the bill. Man! I mean, don't that just get you about God? Don't that do a little bit of help or lighten you up a little bit? And... Yeah! <laughs> Woo! God's the beatingest thing to work for you ever seen. I'm out here crashing and burning in a couple of parts of my system here. And he's over there taking care of everything just like I'm a normal human being or something. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go ye, saints. You may not go where I go out to all those mountains and more than likely your difficulty level won't rise to that level. More than likely, I some go past and beyond all of this because I am not telling you everything. Just believe me, that's just about a half of what we went through. I ended up, the, the grand finale of it all was putting my daddy in the ground. Putting another missionary, young man, filled with zeal and love of God, got martyred down there last year. These things are rough on you as a leader. They take away you and let God be in you. You can't keep on without Jesus. 
It's a great honor to be standing here and looking you in the face because of the mercy of God. It's the grace of God that we breathe. Go, ye saints, into the world and preach the gospel to everybody. He that believes and is baptized, you're going to get him saved. Do you understand that? But he that don't believe, that's not your problem. He's damned already. And this is what's going to happen to you because you believe. You're going to cast out devils. I'm preaching. It's a pastor's conference of one of our sections. There was about 30 of our national leaders there. I'm talking on church government. Not a very exciting thing to talk about, really. Church government, how we're going to function, what we're going to do, how we're going to self elders, what we're going, how we're going to take up offers, what we do, why we do it, just looking through Scripture with these people and, and just setting up a structure, a government of God's, uh, of God's Scriptures in a place that's never had any before. And herein walks a man, long-haired man, really drawn, real pale, walks right up to me. And I'm talking on church government. And this man walks up. This is quite an interesting story. How far can I go with demon spirits? Uh, does it matter? Sure. <laughs> we, we, we've had four or five manifestations lately that really test everybody's ability. It don't matter what denomination they face. Serious. We run into some devils, boy. They come after us. That's okay. I can tell this. Or do I need to be light on it? Go for it. I'm teasing you, aren't I? You won't think so in a minute. So, uh, uh, you know, normally if, a, like if one of y'all get up and walk up here to me, I'm going to ask, what do you want? You know, that's, a, that's probably a good question. What, you know, you're this close to me. And you're preaching, right? What do you want? You know, that's a good question, I thought. He said, I was told that you have God. And I said, you was told right. I do have God. God's in me. The eternal hope of glory lives and abides in me, and I live and abide and dwell with Him. It's a blessing. I, you're right. You, you were told right. This is the truth. He said, well, you're going to lay your hands on me, and I'm going to be healed then. I said, not so fast, buddy. First of all, I want to know, are you born again? Don't know what that means, he said. So I took my Bible. We left off with the church government teaching for a minute. Did a little Roman road walking. Got the man born again. First thing, right off. I said, now, that's the most important thing that ever happened to you in life. Now what's your problem? Because there's a Holy Ghost that's going to fix it for you. It doesn't matter what its name is. He said, yeah, they told me you'd say that. I said, well, whoever these people are, they're telling you the truth. He said, I have these things inside my body walking around. I said, you did what? He said, yeah, these things walk around inside me and they cause me much pain and I, it hurts me really bad. I said, uh, what, what are these, these things have a name? He said, oh yeah. He said, every morning I wake up with my bed full of them. They come out the top of my head. They're called snakes. Wow, it got quiet in here. Did you hear that? What's the name of that sprint thing? We could have heard it, couldn't you hear that? 
Brother Hogan, you was doing great. I don't believe that. I didn't ask you to believe it. I told you I'm not trying to please you. All I'm doing is reporting to you what happened. And I looked at him like you shut up just now. I was just as quiet as you was. <laughs> but you see, there's a, there's a little thing right here. It says, and these signs, verse 17, it's in there. See? These signs shall follow who? Okay, you don't believe what I'm telling you. No sweat. It won't happen to you. No problem. You, you exempted yourself. But if you believe in Jesus and His power, it don't matter what the witch doctor says and does, Jesus' power is going to beat Him. Because it says that the believer can lay hands on these people demon-possessed and they must come out of them, they must flee from them. So I'm a believer and I do believe He's a demon-filled person, so I have the right, according to Scripture, to touch Him and the demon has got to obey. So I called all the pastors around. I said, you, you people heard this guy. He's got snakes coming out of his head. <laughs> that does sound weird, don't it? Snakes coming out of somebody's head. That's really weird. But it's the truth. It's demon spirits. Witchcraft is very powerful. Turns out he was, a, he was an assassin for a living. Turns out he had assassinated this very wealthy man. I, know, I knew when the man died. It was right close to my house. I heard the shots, actually. The family is very wealthy. They hire this very famous black magic warlock in our area to cast a spell on him and kill whoever it was. They did that. This man comes down sick. Snakes come out of his head. He's going to die because they're going to kill him inside. Okay, that's what happened. So we laid hands on him in Jesus' name. I know this day very well It was because I had some tremendous things happen to me around this day. It was September the 15th last year. And amazing week that week. Really an amazing week. It really was. And, and then I, we laid hands on him in Jesus' name. And then two or three weeks later, I was at a place called Chicona Mel. Another one of our works. It's a very large work. This one, it's a really hopping place. You'd, like, you'd really like it there. It's a nice place. A lot of, we had uh, at this place uh, just a couple of months ago, we had, uh, we had two, two ladies dead with Sarampio Negro. It's a, it's a disease. And they were laying right out there in a, in a whole pile of dead bodies. And, and the brothers went and laid hands on them too. And they got up healed. Nice place to go. It's really a lot of things happening there. It's fun. And uh, so I go there for service. And what I like to do is, uh, we have see I believe in teaching like the Bible says to teach the children and I they look to me I mean they really look to me almost as a hero these these kids do all these missionary kids and these these uh, uh, little Indian kids so I take it upon myself to teach them to me they're, they're the next generation they're the ones that's going to take the place of the people that's there now and carry the torch of the Lord Jesus on Till Jesus comes back. So I've got to teach them. So what I do is I, I line them all up over here, a whole pile of them. Man, I'm all there rowdy and everything. I don't care. Just all of them's over there. And I go and get dead-raised people. Come here with me. 
Sit down in this chair. Tell them. So they commenced to tell them how they were sick and they died and they was dead for two, three days and then how God raised them from the dead. The kids all, whoa. But I want them to have that in their mind and in their heart from little bitty all the way up that it's normal. It's normal Christianity. I enjoy doing that to them. Because, see, I'm their hero. I'm serious. And so, boy, I bring over here. Uh, there was one girl that didn't have any bones in her legs for, from the waist down, and God grew her some new ones. I went and got her, brought her over there. I said, Nancy, tell them. She said, I was born without bones in both of my legs from the waist down, and God healed me and grew me some new bones and created in me new bones, and, and I'm healed and I can walk around. I said, get up and show them. She got up and walked around, and, and I said, wow, they're going, whoa. Okay, so we went through all kind of stuff, cholera, dead raising the blinded eyes, lame people walking, tumors, tuberculosis. I mean, I'm just going on and on and on with this. I want them to understand that it matters not the name. The name is Jesus. And I want them to get up in the next generation and, and not say, Brother David, in the name of Brother David or in the name of Paul. I want them to look at the devil and say, in the name of Jesus. That's what I want. I'm going to get it. And, and so the brother said, hey, we got one for you, brother. They, they're all into it now. All these, you know, big shot pastors and everybody, they're all, hey, we got one over here from our church. Ah, bring him over here. Because we're all into it now, teaching everybody. It's fun. That's one of the best methods I've found to teach people how to raise a dad. Just show them it can be done. Here, right here. See his dead bird? Boop. That's all you do. And so uh, they said, hey, do you remember the guy with the snakes? I said, yeah. Wonder whatever happened to him. I haven't seen him since I prayed for him. It's been a couple of weeks around here. Oh, he's here. I said, no, he's not here. I said, I'm good with faces. Y'all know that. You can't trick me. The man's not here. Oh, the man's here. You just saluted him a while ago. I said, you went too far now. Now I know I haven't seen that man. But what, what I was, the way we are as humans is this the way. We remember how it was and how people were then. But we don't know what God can do to those people and change them. This guy had hair short. It was cut off. He brought him, they brought him around there. And I was looking at that man. There was nothing about that man that I remembered the way he was. Because his face was full. It was dark again. They're almost black people. He, he was just... Full, he was healed, his hair was cut, and he was worshiping Jesus. As soon as he touched my hand, he fall on the ground and just weeping and thanking God for the mercy of God. Isn't that something? That just amazed me to know in how God can do that. God's got nerve, I tell you, he's just something else. God's amazing. He's amazing. And I'm a diplomat. And we cast out devils because he went home that night, y'all. The demons manifested and started coming out of his head. And every one of them they took with a machete and chopped it and threw it in the fire. <laughs> and before morning came, there were no more coming out. And by morning time, he was sleeping like a baby and he was healed. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Bible says they'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. See there, I told you they would. It says it right there. It says if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They can lay hands on sick and they will recover. In verse 19 and 20, is very important. We can't leave this out. And then we're going to pray after this. So then after the Lord had spoken to him, he was received up to heaven. And he sits on the right hand of God. Verse 20. Who is that they right there? That's the disciples. Lots of people that teach you that was only for the apostles. They're wrong. They should. I didn't get taught that until after I had seen all this other stuff. I came back to the United States one time and I was in these meetings of these people was trying to tell us how you can't raise the dead. And I'm going, what? So you can't, you can't, the blind, the blind won't see anymore. By now my dander, I mean my hair is sticking up. I'm getting hostile now. Because how can, how can a man get up and preach that when I just saw it? I didn't see any kind of medicine or the great technology do it. I saw a guy with very little education lay hands on somebody. I saw God take a woman of 15 years, twisted like a pretzel. Just, just touch her. You just... No more than that, I promise. And I saw the arms move for the first time in 15 years. I saw the frozen le legs that were bent around backwards. I saw them move around and I watched her stand up for the first time in 15 years. I watched it. I saw it. I'm a good ambassador. I'm a good diplomat. And don't try to knock my God, buddy. It says right in verse 20, they, these people here that believe in these things written in red over here in 15 through 18, they went forth. They didn't sit and wait. They went. They did what they were commanded. They were good ambassadors. They were respect. They were uh, obedient to the authority of God. And they went forth preaching everywhere. Everywhere they went, they preached. And the Lord was working with them. Them, that's me. And confirming the word with what? See, people get mad at me because I'm a science fellow. I believe that when I preach, God's going to do something. Because see, you can look in your Bible. It don't matter how you believe. You look in your Bible, I challenge you. From all the way from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelations, I challenge you to look at every man of God in there. Every time those boys spoke, something happened, whether negative or positive, but something happened. There was never a dull moment. When those boys filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God spoke, something happened. And I believe it's for me. I believe the Lord's with us, working with us. I believe it's okay with God to work with us. You got to know what it's like to walk into a service. I'm walking up, I'm hiking in. I get intercepted by some people, please, please, begging you to come and pray. 
You get to their house. You got a few minutes. You can go pray. That's all right. It's okay. That's what Jesus wants you to do anyhow. So you go over there. And you smell something. It smells like death. I've smelled it many times now. It's rotten flesh. Go in there in that little hut. Sit right up here. It was a little bit bigger than this. Part right here. You go in there and you look on the floor and there are two grandmas laying there in the last stages of cholera. They're bleeding everywhere. Laying on the ground, bleeding puddles. I've been through that. That's a bad feeling. I hate cholera. It's a devil. <laughs> but Jesus is Lord of cholera. <laughs> Jesus is King and Lord of cholera. So I walk over there to the first grandma and I pick her up. I never will forget it. Got blood all over my shirt. See, you don't do that. You don't get that infected blood on you. See, that's not right. Shut up. You stay home and watch your TV. I, I got something to do for Jesus. The only, the only muscle some of y'all have exercise is your thumb from changing channels. Sad, sad. But anyway, pull it up to you. Because I know that feeling. I went through that, all of those stages of cholera. And I, God, we need, we need mercy, God. I need you, God, to touch this lady. She's going to die if you don't touch her. Lay her down. Step over. Get the next one. Hold her to you. Because, see, you don't have that right. I, I've been there so long now. Those Indians overlook my hugging grandmas and such. They, they, don't, they don't care anymore because I'm not after their women. I'm after their healing. And they know it now. But it's taken years to develop that. It can never be ruined. It can't, for any reason, be messed up. And so... And you lay them down, and I, I didn't, it was too dark in that little hut. My eyes wasn't adjusting all the way yet and all that. And I, I laid them down, I backed out, went on to church, got blood on me and everything. I'm preaching, just like now, I'm preaching Jesus. Just Jesus, just simple life message of Jesus. That's all I ever preach. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. That's all that matters. Just Jesus. And I'm preaching along there, and boy, I don't like to be interrupted when I'm preaching, doggone it. Just don't like, but God just comes in there sometimes. These two ladies start walking in the back door. I never saw them before in my life. But oh yes, I had seen them. They come walking in. They walk right up to me. I still got the blood on my shirt. I'm looking at them. Ain't no blood on them. Ladies, what do you want? Well, Brother David... We're the two ladies that had the cholera earlier. Your God healed us. <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> and the next statement was the best to me. What must we do to be saved? I've heard that before. You ever read that before in your Bible? <laughs> Isn't that nice? So you get on your knees and you repent for being mad because they interrupted your preaching. <laughs> and you lead them to Jesus. Isn't that nice? I like that. Would y'all please stand up with me?
I'm not going to keep going. I could. I'm not going to do it. In Jesus' name. So it's falling all over the place. I do want to tell you that I, I am sorry about being a human. But every one of us are. And I know how hard it is. I know that we've got Jesus and we're experiencing great revival here. I'm not taking nothing away from that. But I, I want you to understand something. <clears throat> revival is a deep work that God does in His people. We've got to give Him it all, y'all. We've got to let Him have it all. And I'm, ask, I'm going to ask you tonight, if you need any kind of healing in your body, come up here. I'm going to pray with you. We are in Jesus' name. No matter how many people or how long it takes, y'all come up here. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. Do you know anything about the blood of Jesus? Did, did y'all have anything pre-arranged pre to play or anything? Do you mind playing something about the blood of Jesus? Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, church, listen to me real close. you might be here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord you should run down those aisles and get up here you might be here and you've never been filled with the mighty Holy Ghost you should be running down those aisles to be filled with the Holy Ghost You know, and some of y'all are here, lots of you. I know there are. That you've gone through similar experiences to what I've been through. But you feel like you might have failed. You haven't failed. Jesus loves you. Come here. Come here. You come down here with me. Jesus loves you. He knows your failures and your mistakes. I want y'all to come down here with me. You might be out there and you might be losing your family. Your kids might be the most rebellious demons on the block. Come down here with me. Jesus is going to fix it. Sure is. You know, you might be here and your finances... They're a mess. And you know, I know it just like you did. You're the one got them there. God wants to fix it. Come here. I want to tell you something. That song they sang earlier. God can use me too. You know that? He's got my feet in my hands and my heart. Use my mouth, God. In Jesus name. I want you down here.
some of you missionaries, y'all know what I'm talking about. Come down here with me. We're going to pray. Jesus is going to touch you. Y'all might as well get ready. We're going to have the Holy Ghost touch us. As soon as he gets ready. You people that's down here. No side show nor is in the circus. Sovereign hand of God will touch you. Call on him right now. Shut your eyes. Let's worship Jesus. Jesus. You people that are here, that Brother Rick told you to come down here. Not being rude or mean. We're not here for a two-hour counseling session. We can do that after a while. If you know Jesus, you're going to go down through here and Jesus is going to supply the need of these folks. In the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Jesus' name. Y'all ready? Well, let's attack them. Go ahead, saints. Do what you're good at. In the name of Jesus, healing, deliverance, in Jesus' name, Holy Ghost. 